What's going on team and welcome to the first episode of Courageous Conversations and uh, pretty excited with the first guest we've got up which is uh, Dan Hooker. Cheers for coming on brother. No trouble mate, no trouble. You've been in, you've seen the sparring this morning. Yeah, so we, we start off with sparring which is quite good and uh, I guess it, it just pays testament to while we're having the chat today, you know, start off um, watching the sparring and seeing all the work that you boys put in over in uh, Murderer's Row. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing from a, a New Zealand fan perspective um, of, of mixed martial arts is seeing the rise of the sport and when I first clicked into like mixed martial arts from like a New Zealand perspective you were the first guy that came up I remember watching the news and you know they had this this young dude out of Auckland fighting in city kickboxing and this thing called MMA and I'd watched MMA before that but I'd never really known any New Zealanders who were in the sport and then, so I think it was actually just before Yair Rodriguez fight. I think that was the first time I would have would have clicked on to you. And then um, from there, anyone who knows me who has been around my house, like <laughs> there's two dudes I watch, and it's an anxiety attack. And I'm pacing up and down the fucking house. I'm shadow boxing in front of the TV, and that's uh, you. And then it was definitely like Conor McGregor on the come up. There's just like when he was when Conor McGregor was on the come up. Like if you were a Conor McGregor fan, you were hated as much as he was. And so I remember watching the UFC with dudes who just literally like, if he lost, they would just be in your face and whatnot. So yeah, my anxiety was uh, at a peak when I was either watching uh, you or, or Conor McGregor. Yeah, it's the thing about like combat sports, like you always remember, like you'll always be a fan of someone, you always remember like the way they made you feel. Yeah. Like they, that's, I can't remember who was explaining to me. They were, that's what they were explaining like moments you put on like big moments for people mm. like and they're always they're always going to remember like the moments that they were there like they, mm. they remember the moment that they watched a certain file on tv and you can really have like a large impact on people mm. that you haven't really noticed yeah. before you know yeah which is which i find super interesting but i think is again it's testament for like why we have that conversation today you know like I remember watching the the the, the, uh, the Yair Rodriguez fight, and it didn't go your way, eh? That fight, mm. and I just remember like feeling so like emotionally attached. I had a laptop, like, fuck's sakes. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I'll message be like, no, you had that one, man. I thought you had that one, and I'll, like I'll be like, I was clearly losing yeah, that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I got I got absolutely no argument yeah. for winning that fight. Your mates, like your mates, your mates, they're gonna yeah. be like, oh, I thought you had that one, bro, and you're just like, what fight are you watching? <laughs> yeah, I definitely like my thing, I, like it's always dangerous with social media these days, like commenting on a fight. So, what I like to do now is like, I'll watch the fight and then I'll have my idea and my opinion yeah. of how the fight went, and then like once the emotion's gone, I watch the fight again, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of see it differently oh, now. A thousand percent, yeah. a thousand percent. Like, you can just argue till you're blue in the face, but like, you like watching it again, especially like watching a fight again on like mute, like, changes your, your no bias, yeah, changes no. your perception of the fight. Like, very, that's why I will give it like a couple of weeks, let everyone's like emotional mm. reaction die down from it, you know? Mm. Good. So yeah, I guess team, uh, just quickly explain like what Courageous Conversations is and like where it came from. So um, when I was in Special Operations as a commando, one of our team leaders at the time, he was really obsessed with um, team culture and building a high performance culture, high performance team. And so we branched out to different organisations. Um, and one of the organisations was the Hurricanes. 
And so we had uh, a great conversation with Dane Coles and Brad Shields and kind of how they transformed the culture uh, within the Hurricanes team and, and kind of got rid of, I guess, some maybe some, some, some septic culture. Um, but their, their concept of courageous conversations was just having the courage to, to reach out to a mate because sometimes it is hard when it's a mate um, or you know someone you've got a close relationship with and just saying, pretty much letting them know that they can be better and they can be doing more um, and letting them know that they're cutting corners or slacking. Uh, the way that I'm planning on flipping courageous conversations is around, um, I think it, yeah, it was, I was just saying to Dan before, like it was real timely with uh, the, the Paddy, the, the Batty speech and around you know his friend committing suicide and whatnot. I think with social media, and there's so much noise out there, whenever we're on social media, we're always just seeing the success story or the, the, the paved path to victory or the paved path to success and it's just, it's not the case, like in my military career, in my, you know, when I was trying to go for special operations, I failed my first selection, you know, like I was there, went, got into my own head, and then knew that no matter what happened on the special op on the selection course, I was going to Afghanistan, which in my mind was more important, and so I convinced myself that I could come do selection later, and so I quit on selection, pulled off, and then went to Afghanistan. Needless to say, like, that process, like coming out of that, going through failure was, as a young man, like there's a lot of emotion, a lot of self-doubt. Um, I literally sat, sat in a room by myself and like cried, you know, like I just felt like a loser. And so the idea behind Courageous Conversations is just to get on there and kind of share some awesome stories, some inspiring stories, um, but not just the, the pros or, or, or the good times or the success, it's the, you know, the or everything that we go through along the way, because life isn't a fucking straight road. You know, we, we, we think we're just gonna do X, Y, Z, and then we're gonna be successful, but more often than not, we end up an out left or, or out left and out right, and then we may find ourselves where we wanted to be. But it's never a, a smooth road anyway. So I guess you the, the, where I wanted to start was you, like, like childhood, like where, where did you grow up? Like what was your childhood like? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, which is interesting. I find that interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, everyone's like, um, yeah, I grew up uh, like central Auckland, mm. like Mount Roskill. Was, uh, yeah, went to school there in Street Kings. So I've always been like around that area. My friends are from that kind of area. Um, like, always kind of hang out in Mount Roskill, just biking around the streets and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, like, just grew up like a normal Kiwi kid. Yeah. I guess, like, no, yeah. no adversity, no... Oh, like, every, like adversity's adversity, like, everyone's, um, you know, everyone, growing up, you always think things are the worst in the world, yeah, yeah. and like, everything's <laughs> terrible, and yeah. then you grow, grow up, and you're like, oh, that was actually pretty, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty smooth, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, because, obviously, people ask, oh, you know, you're a professional fighter now, you must have got, like, did you get names of fights when you're growing up? And it's like, not really more than anyone else I was growing up with. I think it's mm. just, um... I think it's just part of life. I was like a young, like just a young kid in New Zealand. Is, yeah, yeah. Is, is like fighting with your hands and, and um, being brave and all that yeah. stuff is like uh, always kind of prioritised. I think the only difference is like I just didn't grow out of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> your lust for violence. Yeah, yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone. Yeah, everyone kind of grew out of it. And, Got a real job. And, uh, <laughs> you grew up. <laughs> yeah, grew up, and I didn't. Like yeah. I was just a kid. Like, cause yeah, you're asking, um, like about the courageous conversations, and you know, 
diving into you know how you think and your struggles mm. and stuff like that and um i think it's a difficult question because like i think all the people that know me are gonna know but 99.9 percent of the things i do mm. are, are just based on the way i feel like mm. the way like i trust my gut with pretty much every decision yeah. <laughs> like, which is everyone that knows me yeah. knows that I don't think about things like that much <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm definitely not like yeah bit of intuition a little bit of intuition oh, all, all intuition like yeah. it's absolutely not I don't think you would I don't think you would do this um, do this as a job I don't think you would live this life if um, you weren't a bit like that. Mm. Like, you weren't like you didn't base it off your intuition a lot. Because like coming up, like starting out of the sport, you know, I dedicated my life to the sport when I was like a teenager, like 18, 19 years old. I knew that this mm. is what I wanted to do for the yeah. rest of my life. And you know, you go and you try to justify it to people and they're like, Oh, you gotta do that. Like, okay, well who's name one person that yeah. makes a living off of that from New Zealand? And you're just like, oh well, like no one but you know i might be the first one you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's no one to like base it on like kids these days they can obviously but um, who would have been like maybe mark hunt would have been like the one guy you no could... but he wasn't in the ufc when i was he like, wasn't that no, no, so like, he was literally no one there was literally no one like uh, jamie turner was the first kiwi to get in the ufc and that was like that was that's that's new school that's yeah. like i've been doing it i've been doing it a long time before that like i dedicated my life to it when it was yeah there was absolutely no one making mm. a living off of the sport yeah but i just knew i just trusted my gut i just knew that this is this is i just knew that this is what i wanted to do i knew yeah. that if i had to sleep in the gym and sleep on the boxing rings and just do this every day like i made like the, all i wanted there's like a stage in my life where all I wanted from the sport was enough gas so I could get to train. Like that yeah. was it. Like I didn't want, mm. I didn't want anything else. Like uh, uh, it's a cool lifestyle. Like the traveling, the training. Like I love, I love like everything about it. Like, yeah. All the travel, like, all the cool people that you meet, mm. all the cool experiences and trips. Like you get to go on. It's just a very cool lifestyle. I think that's um, that gets like lost a bit. Yeah, but like now there's now there's like kids coming into the gyms and they're just like, yeah, I want to be. But there's so many people for them to be. Millionaire, world yeah. champion, blah blah. Like their goal, yeah, it's not what it's about. Like yeah. it's about loving martial arts. It's about like the discipline of it. It's there's so much more that goes into it that yeah. kind of gets. I think lost. Yeah, I think it's really important. There's like two things you said there that I think like really important to like pick on. Is like, I think we're in a time. And this is just through like speaking to friends and these are motivated people but i think a lot of people one overthink so you know we you know we, we can sit here and laugh and go oh you know you just, i just go with my gut and i don't do any thinking but i think like we're in a time where people overthink that ever that over analyze crossing the road where sometimes it's just literally sitting there going like okay what's what do i want to do in my gut or in my heart what do i want to do that do it instead of overthinking over analyzing it right oh a thousand you wouldn't do this like yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't if you, <laughs> if you sat down and wrote like the, the pros and cons of when I was an 18, 19 year old, like the pros and cons of being an MMA fighter, like there was, it's nothing. Like you, you yeah. couldn't justify it. It was not a, it was not a possibility. Like no one mm. from New Zealand had ever, like we didn't even know, I didn't even think it was possible to get in the UFC. Yeah. Like that, this is how, um, yeah, this is how like, 
this is the environment that I came up in. Yeah. Like, it, there was no, like, there was before Mark Hunt was in the UFC, Jamie Dorino, there was absolutely, absolutely no one. <laughs> like, there's no one to base it on. To, to, to think that one day we would be um, in a position like this, like, sitting in a gym your own, like, so, like, as comfortable as you are. Mm. Um, yeah, it's quite funny, you know. Mm. So you know, I was just laughing at my sisters because they just studied every day of their life <laughs> <laughs> and, and told me I was gonna, you know, told me that I never did my homework, so I'm gonna be a failure and I'm never gonna yeah. get a job. And so it's just that cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. I was actually having that conversation just the other day, where like um, even in the army, when you're when you're living in Linton, it's obviously a university town. You know, I met quite a few people who just like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Yeah. And you're like, what do you mean? It's just like, in their, in their mind, you've got to get a degree, you've got to go get a corporate job, you've got to do these things. But it was like, hold on a minute, I just got paid. I came back from Afghanistan, what would have been, it was a long time ago now, would have been about 30 grand in the bank. So 30 grand in the green on, I think I was, was I 19 or 20, about nine, I was 19 and 20, I think, when I was in Afghanistan. Um, came back, 19, 20 years old, 30 grand in the green. Like life experience, sat down with like Afghanistan warlords having lunch, having outrageous conversations about them fighting the Russians. Like this like cultural immersion for six months. It is just utterly out of out of control. And then you've got somebody who's up to their eyeballs and deep saying like, oh no, this is the way to live. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and I think, so sorry, the second thing that, that you're talking about was like enjoying martial arts, enjoying that process is even for me, I've been kind of going through that with like Warfighter Athletic and the brand is like, all my goals have been around finances. So like, right, we need to hit this financial number and we need to hit this financial number. And then it's like, hold on a minute, just enjoy the process of like, yeah, just live, like enjoy building the brand, making content, going hunting, helping people, you know, doing stuff like this, like make the job fun. It doesn't, yeah. like running a business or life, like life doesn't have to be this boring thing that sucks. So it's just like, well, what's the worst thing can happen if I fucking DM Dan Hooker and ask him for an interview? He'll say no, <laughs> you know? Bro, do you want to do an interview? Yep, we're done. Oh, fuck, let's do it. You know what I mean? So that's uh, that's awesome. Um, and then I guess moving on from there was just like thinking about when you got into the sport. That I can only think back to like um, a time when I was watching the UFC and it was like um, in, the, in the early stages. And it would have been like Josh. I remember it was uh, Josh Josh Koscheck and George Saint Pierre. That was like the big fight on at the time. But even then, it was so fringe. Where like now you can go into a bar like in a, I spent in my military career a lot of time in America. You walk into a bar, it, like the UFC is on every TV. Everybody's talking about the next card coming up. I used to just tell I used to just tell people that I was a wrestler. Like that's yeah. I used to because people go, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm like I'm a wrestler because I got sick of explaining to people like what MMA was. Yeah. You try to say oh, MMA, they got no idea what that is. Mm. UFC, they got no idea what that is. You're just like, oh, you know, you just fight in a cage and then they just give you like a weird look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's barbaric, just, yeah. Like, it's not, it wasn't, when I was 18, 19, it wasn't like it is now. Like, if people didn't know what the UFC was. There was mm. no, like, Israel Adesanya. There was no, like, Conor McGregor. Like, no, no, no. all of that. Like, yeah. to, there was no easy explanation um, to give to people. So, yeah, I used to just tell people I was a wrestler. And I've, like, I've studied, like, um, like, yeah. Because obviously I was, I was like landscaping when I first um, was fighting and training, but then like eight nine hours a day 
on a shovel and a wheelbarrow is mm. not like easy to then go and train for <laughs> two or three hours. So and then yeah. I figured out, well, if I sign it, because you need a cover story, because obviously no one's going to let you just be, say, I'm going to be a cage fighter. So then I needed cover stories, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so easy. Like, I went and studied business at AT, like, mm. did, the, did the first year, just never did the second year. Yeah. Like, passed everything, just never got around to the second year. Just using it as a cover story. Because yeah. you tell people, oh, I want to be a professional mixed martial artist. They think you're crazy, and they're yeah. like, all your, all your family and friends are going to think you're nuts. But if I say I'm studying business, they leave you alone. Yeah, I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're gonna be a businessman one day. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. my hat. Oh, so I would have saved so much money if I just didn't get all these cover stories. But hey, <laughs> man, you should have been in the military. That's a solid cover story. You went, you went to town on your cover, like literally. Yeah, you gotta get it. You gotta get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fully just have a bunch of weird qualifications. <laughs> just this cover story. Did you feel you had any value from the business course? Nah, nah, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know, just like, because I obviously trust my gut and I'm like a pretty practical thinker, like I did, yeah, business, I was like, oh, so they'll, one day I assume I'll want to run a business, mm. and then, uh, like, I went and did, like, the first year of business, and I was like, this is not teaching me anything about how to run a business, yeah. I was like, this is teaching me to one day work for someone at a desk, and yeah, I was like, this yeah, is yeah, not, yeah. this is not what I wanted, like, yeah. I did another one, um, I did like an event management degree mm. and I like started that event management degree and I was like oh, like I'll run flight shows one day like yeah that'll be a good um, you had good logic here to have, to logic. have like some kind of understanding of about how to run events if you're gonna run like flight shows one day and it was just the they were just stealing people's money. It was just like a pirate. They were like, really? it was like one assignment. They're like, okay, get together with your group and you're gonna just draw your dream of And I was like, I feel like I'm playing like Barbie Dreamhouse. Oh like, my God. So, I was like, show me how to run an event. You know what I mean? Like, tell me how to work out like yeah. how many tables I need. You know what I mean? Like, oh. Show me actually how to practical, run an event. Practical, yeah, yeah. real life like, shit. Yeah, yeah, practical, real life shit. They weren't just, none of them taught like practical real life shit. I feel like they just, yeah, a lot of university courses are just like, they get paid like per paper they make you do. Oh it's yeah. Like straight no, no. But this is the thing, right? Like universities have like marketing divisions. Yeah. They're convincing you to get a degree. Oh, like they're literally selling you on a degree. Thousand percent. Even, even in my business journey, I've had the same thing. We're like, you get marketed this awesome course, take your business to the next level. And you, you fucking open up this course and it's just ideas. Yeah. And you're just like, this is like no practical advice in how to run a business. Yeah. And so, so like real, yeah. obviously like real world experience, it's just head and shoulders. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, oh yeah, that's it, just like actually doing, eh? Yeah. I think. So I guess my next thing would be like, yeah, like where was you, like, where were you in your life when you were like heading towards that UFC contract? Like what did life look like for you? Obviously you touched on the landscaping and stuff before, but like what was life like as you were grinding your way there? Um, like, I, yeah, I knew very young that this is like really what I wanted to do. There was no like humming mm. and ahhing about it. I was just like, everything is, everything is secondary. You know, mm. like there was a lot of jobs that came to you and I like, we need you to do like overtime. And I was like, guys, like, <laughs> you know the deal. Right? Like, this is my, you know, yeah. I'm Superman. This is Clark Kent shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, bro. <laughs> 
I was like, come on, I'm gonna go save the planet. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stay late. The self belief, though, that's fucking wicked. Oh yeah, like I just, I just knew that this is, like, I could just feel it. Like, yeah. I could just feel like this is, this is what I want to do. There's nothing. There's honestly like nothing like it. Like once you get out in the cage in front of everyone, um, and the lights are on mm. and everything like that. There's no. Um, yeah, there's like no freer feeling in the world. You get addicted. It's like the feeling, the feeling of that, like making the walk, that whole process, mm. the whole training. Like once you get a fight, like it's it, the whole feeling of it is like kind of hard to compare to. And mm. I, I tell people, you know that like uh, when you're at like a view and you come up to like a cliff and you're like standing to the edge and you yeah. like creep yourself like closer to the edge <laughs> and you start getting that feeling and you're like. Oh, like that kind of feeling where you're yeah. standing on the edge of the cliff like that feeling is like why I do the sport it's like yeah. why I'm addicted to the sport yeah. because like as soon as you get a fight like you start feeling that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like as soon as the fight finishes or however it went and you're sitting back on your couch and you're just like ah oh, shit I'm bored again yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you start creeping closer to yeah, the cliff yeah. again you start creeping closer to your low <laughs> so yeah like um so if people ask you like why do you fight the guys you fight why do you do like um mm. crazy shit why do you do dumb shit it's like because that that feeling that i live for that feeling yeah. like that feeling where you're just like oh, shit i don't know what's gonna happen here you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah there's absolutely no um for me there's absolutely like no no fun like no enjoyment in like just going oh this is oh well, if you do all these steps like then you're gonna it's gonna be safe and you're gonna win <laughs> and it's gonna be like i've been in ufc fights like bored like because yeah. i'm supposed to like i'm doing the things and yeah. following the things and i know if i do this i'm gonna win mm. and i'm like ah shit i'm bored like this yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, like get your hand raised and you feel like excited but, like we'll say like it's not the same it's not it's the, the same as a war it's like an adrenaline rush yeah. you know what i mean but a bit old for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I can I can definitely understand what, what you're talking about with the um with the whole fight and the build up thing and whatnot. And you can see your enjoyment, like even in sparring. Mm. I don't know if you know, but you just seem to have like a shit eating grin on your face, like about <laughs> three quarters of sparring, and I'm just like, I wonder how his sparring partners feel about this. <laughs> they hit me if they could. Oh, I got some good footage. I get what was so like. I guess you know you're talking about that. Like, walking to the edge of the cliff feeling. What about like that first ever walk? Like what was that like when you were standing in the tunnel? Was UFC Auckland? Was it UFC Auckland? Was it your first ever UFC walk? Nah, yeah, yeah. UFC, um, UFC Auckland in 2014 was, yeah. my, was my UFC so debut. What, what was that, that like? Was, that, that was all just so, um, like that all come together like so last minute. Like mm. I think it was only, that. I only got that fight signed or offered to me like four, four weeks out was unsigned for like three four weeks like before the actual event so i was just in too much of like a whirlwind storm to like even get even get nervous yeah. for that like i was it was not enough Jobs time on. it was not enough time to get nervous like yeah. once, once you get a fight and it's like 12 weeks like that's a lot of that's a lot of dead time to kill you know mm. that's a lot of time yeah 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 it's a lot of nights night sitting every go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was like um just such a whirlwind of, of everything coming together last minute that that was that was cool man like I just come on mm. I just come on for that one sometimes I think um, 
almost those shorter time frames are better right and it's almost like when you're talking about like the risk of standing at the cliff a similar thing too i've had like in my military career is like like literally you do a ascending descending module so it's like climbing up and down buildings using a raft of different like in measures and so one of them is like propelling off the side of a building we're at the the, the uh, monaco uh, council building yeah. and you're like literally sitting on the edge of the roof and you're just sitting on the edge like looking down like if I fall, I might die. And then you just get some dude like, you know, are you ready? And you're just like, oh, not really. <laughs> you're just like, yep. And then he's like, stand by, stand by, go. And you're just into it. But I often find is like, the more time you spend dwelling up on top of the roof, than just getting off the edge, the worse it is. So the shorter the time. So if you just, so what I used to do, and a, a mate of mine, that's how I picked it up off, he used to always go first, because you're always getting tested. And every test he'd be first. And I'm like, man, why does he want to go first? Like, you know, let a few dudes go through, kind of maybe try see a few things and whatnot, but like, I just, it's that like risk versus reward thing, right? Like, you know, there's, you've, you've taken this risk, so now there's this applied pressure, but if you shorten the time to just fucking going and, and jumping, yeah. it's uh, sometimes better because there's less time to get in your own head, psych yourself out. Yeah, no, interesting. So, get into the UFC, make your, 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 your first couple of fights. Um, I was watching a, a, a couple of your fights last night, and it was it was it was a few real interesting things for me. Um, going back and like rewatching a bunch of fights, but the first thing that I kind of want to unpack was like there was like some early adversity. You know, we like win win a fight, lose a fight, win a couple, then maybe lose another one. I guess in that early adversity, from what I've seen throughout my my military career and seeing dudes come through um, special operations special operations selection and the likes, is like. Dudes will quit early. The first sign of adversity, they quit. You know, like even in my early career, I had the same thing with my experience on selection, right? Got into my own head, instantly I'm like, boom, I'm off to Afghan, don't need to be here, can come back, do this. Convince myself, this wasn't for me. So when you're going through that early adversity, what were you thinking? Like, what was your experience? What was going on in your head? Yeah, like, that's not even, like, early adversity for me, though. I've been, <laughs> I've been losing for years, brother. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think I lost like my third fight. Like, pro, like my first fight was professional, and mm. then my my lost my second fight. My my well, my second professional fight. Like mm. I lost that. So yeah, like one and one as a professional. And you just mm. like I, I started my career like three and three as a professional, and then obviously all the people around you are like 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 you're like fifty fifty. It's time to get a real job, right? Like, <laughs> but I just knew that. It, it, um, you just know inside of yourself that, like, you're better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just, yeah, it's no justification for it again. Like, mm. you can't sit back and just be like, well, uh, if I had not moved left in this <laughs> fight, like, oh, if I hadn't had wheat books for breakfast, I know. Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, you can, like, pin it down to, like, a million different things. Mm. But, like, it really comes down to, you just know in yourself what you're capable of. Mm. And you know in yourself that you're capable like a lot more than that so mm. it's like the exact same position um in like the ufc when i started my ufc career like three and three mm. again and people go oh what went wrong and what do you because people are just obsessed with like um oh what one thing did you change that's yeah like, and i'm gonna come up to that uh exact point at my next fight like yeah. people are gonna go oh you know you lost your last two like what magic thing have you changed it's like you can make up anything you can just what say like doing different yeah this yeah time? oh man now I, like say i win my next five fights like people are gonna go what what was it 
what was it? It's like, you could tell them anything. You'd be like, man, I drink a liter of urine every morning. <laughs> like, you could tell them anything. Like, they're obsessed with, like, the one thing. Like, yeah, they're obsessed with, like, just this one thing that makes you successful. Yeah. But it's not. Like, obviously, you change, like, a million different things, mm. like, behind the scenes. But it really, in the reality of it, is it just comes down to self-belief. It's mm. like that self-belief that happened when I lost my first fight, that self-belief that when I lost my first UFC fight, mm. it's like the same self-belief that's going to get me um, back on track and have like a successful future. It's yeah. just you know in your heart, you know in, in your gut that you're capable of so much more. Mm. So it's like you're, you're, that's, that's unfinished business, right? Yeah. You can't. Can't leave with that. Was that? Do you, do you reckon that self-belief? Because that is definitely something like I've picked up just hanging around you a, f- a few times, whatnot, seeing you in interviews, how you carry yourself, how you talk really well. Even if you're say like running the commentary on a King in the Ring here in New Zealand, like the same thing, like your confidence, self, and self-belief, no matter what adversity you've like been through or just been through, always seems to carry through. So what intrigues me and probably like a lot of other people is like, is this something you've built over time? Or do you think maybe you even this is just how you're born? Like that's just who you are. Um, nah. Like I would say a mixture of both. Like I'd say it's like a like every pretty much stub. Like I just mm. kind of just yeah. Not every um, like aspect of your personality that make amazing like everyone thinks it has to be like good things like you walk yeah. around all the time like you know what i'm super motivated like yeah, you know yeah. what? it doesn't you don't need that fuel to, to keep going like not not all your fuel is always going to be like good stuff Rainbow's you know, like, yeah it's yeah. not like it's not like you're gonna walk in the gym every day and just be like oh you know what i'm feeling super positive today like, <laughs> it's not like happiness and sunshine and rainbows is not like what always fuels the process yeah like, i got no problem with um being angry, like, yeah. I'll, come, yeah, yeah. I'll come up, I'll come into a training session pissed off, like, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna have hurt a someone. yeah, like, you, you, you <laughs> lost my last two fights, like, when this ca- next cam, I'm gonna work, it's gonna be so easy for me to, like, put my nose to the grindstone and work my ass off, because mm. I'm pissed off, like, yeah. I'm really, like, I'm pissed off with myself, I'm pissed off with everyone else, like, I'm yeah. pissed off, like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be no. that I'm, like, the super positive, happy guy, like, it's not, not everything, is bad like everything everything is fuel and whether that's like people supporting you or whether that's people Doubt screaming you. at you and telling doubting you and telling mm. you your shit like they're both fuel like i'll yeah. take i'll take all of it like once it goes in the gas rocket tank fuel, baby. rocket fuel is rocket fuel yeah. like it does <laughs> yeah. you can have a thumbs up or a thumbs down <laughs> like it's a, it feels like the same thing to me so yeah, yeah i think it's like where people are like oh man these are negative emotions i can't think these no use them Use so you're home. pissed off yeah. you know what i mean like someone slept with your girlfriend like yeah get in the gym like work your ass off you know what i mean get it back get successful like yeah, yeah, there's yeah. always like something yeah, you know what i, I mean like, like oh man a guy beat me up in the park last week yeah get pissed off come in the gym like learn how to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get fit get, <laughs> get it back yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like no no <laughs> doesn't always have to be like super successful like super good you know yeah no it's 100 like we've did a t-shirt uh, dark side motivation. It is yeah, exactly yeah, that. Yeah. It's using the fucking darkness and all the shit that you've been through, the failures, the success, being pissed off, the doubters, the naysayers. You know, like 
even I'm the same. I'm, I'm wired that way. Like I'm, I think I'm a posit, pretty positive person, but at the same time, like running a business, Warfighter Athletic, no fucking war, uh, no, no business degree, no experience, like literally on YouTube, how to build a website, how to run Facebook ads. So we've, our journey's been like up and down with Warfighter, you know, like we have a big, big success and then I have periods with like self-doubt and whatnot, and then you conquer that. And then like I remember like now, like this, putting myself out there on the camera, and be willing to do this stuff. Some dudes in the special operations community have shat on me for that. Mm-hmm. And so like, when I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I should do something else, that's all I'm like, no, I've got too many motherfuckers to prove wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I think that dark side motivation is definitely a good one. Yeah, to like it's all like use this feel like how obviously you try not to, um, like you, try, you just don't project that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so you, you can use it as fuel and use it as motivation, but it's like all, the, all that, like negative emotion going in and you just put it into something constructive like mm. you put it into your training you put it into like you can direct an opponent like he's agreeing to it anyway don't worry about him you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> like it's all but you're just trying not to try not to like use that negative stuff and then project negative stuff yeah like, uh, just yeah. try to like project like you know, obviously you're going to have like negative thoughts and emotions but you don't project those onto yeah. other people yeah Using it positively, eh? Um, and another thing I picked up like watching your fights um, last night was the jump up to 155. I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but like I feel like there was this like 145. Obviously, you had some good performances there, but when you came up to 155, and I was watching it last night, I felt like I don't know the time period there between those those two fights, but I feel like there was this huge leap in your performance. It was like, you were in there and you were having some like really good fights and whatnot. And then you got in there at 155, I think it was Ross Pearson, right? Mm-hmm. And then I feel like you like, you blew him out of the water. Like you just looked levels above, like too fast, too sharp, too skillful. Like, so what interests me was like, and I know we just spoke about it, like, what was the one thing you changed? But like, not the one thing, but like, kind of like what happened in that time period there is what intrigues me. Um, yeah, like, so people put that down just like purely to the weight and stuff. Mm. Um, that's when I, I moved back to New Zealand. So I'd been like living overseas the last few years, like the camps before that I did in Vietnam, in um, Denver, mm. Thailand. So I'd been living overseas for like uh, a few years and I wasn't even training um, <clears throat> like full-time at City Kickboxing when, when I initially left New Zealand. So when I came back to New Zealand, that was um, that was that time period. That was after I fought mm. in Melbourne, and then what that fight was coming up um, with Ross Pearson in Auckland. Mm. And I yeah, so I changed weight class. I moved back to New Zealand. I started training uh, under Eugene in City Kickboxing mm. um, full time. So it's like it's yeah, it's like a it's like a multitude of things. Yeah, yeah. Because um, interesting, you brought up the, the travel and training like. I remember you, you, we spoke about in the past and you did travel and train quite a bit. I'm just intrigued, like even throughout my military career, I had a process where like I came back from Afghanistan, didn't quite have the probably young, dumb and like the feeling of fucking standing at the cliff, as you said. And like, you know, we just, we're just not in areas of operations or places in Afghanistan that are as combative or as dangerous as say like the Brits. And so I looked across to the parachute regiment shot troops, dudes were almost overrun and sang in province in Afghanistan. I was like, oh, I'm fucking, I want to go join those dudes, you know, like, and, and so I went over to the UK 
and uh, I got through into the process of joining the British Army, ended up dislocating my shoulder and coming home. But one of the things that kind of drove me to come home was the fact of like culture, values, and just like the Brits, like they look like us, kind of sound like us, but they're not us. Like Kiwis have this, you know, like we have our own culture. We have our own people, like this is our country, our land, you know, like putting our, putting your feet into your own soil. I think that there is something to that. Like, do you think there was something about going away, traveling and training, and then coming home? And do you think there's like, it's an, like a, it's an important thing to be grounded in your own culture? Or do you not? And do you think like you learned a lot being away as well? Uh, like both, I guess yeah. like everyone's different. Um, I think, yeah, like in terms of like my martial arts career, like I'm very, very like practical. Mm. Uh, so yeah, like traveling and training, like I always thought that, you always hear about like oh, these wrestlers in America or these kickboxers in Thailand. So mm. once I just went out and I saw it for myself, you know, you train with some of the best guys in the world and you see it for yourself and mm. you experience it for yourself, like it becomes a lot easier for you and a lot more real for mm. you. And, and you can like, um, yeah, compare like your skills with theirs like a, a lot easier. Mm. Um, so I guess, I guess just everyone's different everyone could do it but you definitely there's nothing like being at home yeah right? i feel like you get a lot of you get a lot of power you get you get more support from people that are um from where you're from yeah you know? yeah <laughs> like you come up like the same way like no one's going to support you like the people you you came up with mm. was there anyone you met overseas that was like real impactful to your life and you learned a lot from uh a lot of people yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people You've had, you've had, uh, sounds like you, you know, you went away, you stayed with heaps of, you know, UFC fighters on the roster and whatnot, so no doubt. Yeah, like, it's, it's pretty crazy, like, um, I would say, like, coaches more than anything, like, you, you, you just run into coaches that just make you, like, love, like, mm. a, like, a, um, like, as various disciplines, like, I found, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach, uh, Fernando Makachero, and, Thailand, so I went to Thailand and um, met one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches that we were mm. So it's like yeah. crazy places. Um, like went to the States, uh, Leicester Bowling, and like, he made me fall in love um, with wrestling. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like you go to these different places and these people just share their insights. And you, when you meet a coach that can make you fall in love with something, it's mm. like, that's, a, that's like a special coach. This is why these guys are like some of the best coaches in the world, yeah. right? Because they don't just show you a few few moves and teach you a few techniques and they like expect that to last a lifetime like these are coaches that have obsessed just made me fall in love with the art yeah fall in love with it um, which is what you if you really want to get good at something you have to love it oh yeah <laughs> like you're not <laughs> like before that you're just like learning grappling because people are going to take you down and you don't want to get taken down held down yeah. uh for three rounds in the ufc you know what i mean but to, to fall in love with them these various disciplines is, is just, yeah, that's, that's, that's true, that's true value. Mm. I guess uh, the, the, the next point, or like another key, key point for me was I kind of, interesting to talk about is I think adding on like, I guess dealing with pressure and fame. So for me, I think it was like if I look at the Dustin Poirier fight, and in saying that, in that Dustin Poirier fight, I know I've heard you speaking about the fight before, but like, I was like literally in the lounge, round one, like screaming at the TV, like this dude's not even on his level. 
and I was like, I literally, and I still believe that today, when I go back and watch round one, and like look at the way like your footwork, the way you, I think you're catching him with um, the, you were drifting out to his left and you were hitting him with the jab and then the hook, but you couldn't, you couldn't not land it. And I remember you sitting there and kicking the inside of his leg, and then in those first few rounds, I, I just remember thinking like, fuck, this guy's not even on the same level. Obviously that turned into like a fucking war. And then I have, there's someone, someone's done an amazing edit where like it goes through the fight and then you're getting wheeled into the ambulance, which is like, I can think of if someone like wants to be a UFC it's fighter. Dirty, bro. It's just me dirty, bro. It's just me dirty with the stand up. <laughs> I know. Even I just wanted to give you a hug, bro. I was like, where's that? Come here, come here. It's just me dirty with the sad ass I think I'm just sitting there because I'm all beat up, bro. I'm just sitting there because I know from experience that the hospital in Las Vegas is fucking ages away. Oh, like, I know that it's half an hour ride. So I'm just sitting there going, fuck, half an hour. Like, I'm not going to sit there like, oh, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. But for me, I feel like that, that fight there, I feel like it was a huge catapult, I guess, in your fame. Like after that, any fight that you had after that and that you that you have had after that even the weigh-ins i feel like it doesn't matter who you're fighting if it's someone from america and you're in america or anywhere um, when you walk out on stage like you got you now get like a huge pop and i feel like that that fight had a lot to do with it because it showed i guess your personality your grip your stubbornness um, and your skill as well but i guess with that increase in fame did that change anything for you and if it did like how have you, how have you like, I guess dealt with that? And like one one idea is like, you know, normally you go and you're obviously you're going to have an element of fame and you're going to have an element of, you know, expectations. But then now, like when you go, we see you doing, you know, more interviews. You're you're in front of the crowd a lot more. You're getting more reactions from the crowd. Like, how does that tie into, I guess, how you prepare and then perform? Um. Yeah. Like my, my view on that is you're just you're just as famous as you think you are you know yeah. what I mean like my, <laughs> like if you grew up on the same street and you never left the street and everyone on their street knows who you are you know like you're the most famous guy on the street like you you, you convince yourself that you're yeah. like so famous you're like I'm the most famous guy in the world yeah. if your world's that small then like of yeah. course you know what I mean but um, yeah like if you don't think I just don't think Mm. I think it's like famous like people come up and they, they show their like appreciation for it, which is cool like mm. they want to take a picture and shake a hand and just say man you know this is some pretty good fights you've been in like that's that's cool I just think it's cool and I just treat them as like um, like just old friends that you haven't seen in a while because mm. they recognize you and they can come up and um, share it and stuff like that but I never I never get like caught up in it I think yeah, it's yeah. so I think it's so to, to fall in love with that is just just people's downfall. Like yeah. to, to fall in love with fame and attention is something that I've never never prioritized it. It's never been a it's not a feeling that I chase, it's not a feeling um, that I get glued to. Mm. It's not because it's so finite. Like you 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 know, you retire and you move to the country and you don't talk, like it's mm -hmm. all going to disappear one day yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean to get addicted to that is uh, uh, I think it, yeah it's like it's obviously capitalizes on like human emotion like mm. it's like attention we humans like to be liked like, yeah humans mm. like to yeah they like people to compliment them mm. makes them feel good and stuff like that but you can't get you can't get addicted to that kind of emotion or you 
can't get reliant on people. You know, you can't. It's terrible. You see, like younger mm-hmm. fighters that are like way less successful than you, like walking around like. Recognizing me, like it's just sad. Like, I don't ever want to be like that. Yeah, yeah like some people might think you're a dick because you're not like, but I'm not like walking around like waiting to get recognized. Yeah, you're just, you're just literally living <laughs> unless, as if you were just unless you come up to me and you're like, hey, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna stop, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, yeah, but yeah, you can't get, you can't. Yeah. Well, you can't fall in love with yourself, you can't fall in love with mm. attention or anything like that. Yeah. And yet it's just, it's so fragile and finite that it will be gone one day mm. and I'll, because I don't miss it and I don't rely on it, it's not going to be the it's end of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think it's, a, it's, it's an important one to touch on because I guess when I think about, um, you know, Dane Coles and my experience with Dane Coles and his explanation of courageous conversations in my mind that's what it was these young dudes or these rugby players or even the older players they've you know they've had a good rugby career they're, they're they're famous now and i think like for them it gets to their head it gets into their workflow yeah. and then now instead of like really putting work in in the gym they're filming a reel or they're making a tiktok which is there's nothing wrong with that but if they're falling in love with fame and they're falling out of love with the process just useless. Which got them to the dance. Yeah, it's just, it, I guess, yeah, you're taking away when, for the, I guess in that case, like when the hurricane says, don't bother turning up next year, you know, the dreams cut short all because you fell in love or lusted for. Oh, this, fame. Game, this game is so fragile, like people's, people's, um, like I've been through it so, so many times and I've had so many highs and so many lows from so early on in my career, like you see it, like mm. people have like a hard, like a great start undefeated get to the UFC lose a couple and then Nothing. disappear you know what yeah. I mean if, even if you would have gone through and you like I don't know, the amount of people that have cycled through the UFC while I've been in the UFC mm. like I've been in there since 2014 you know what I mean it's like a long time um, yeah the amount of like there would have been thousands of thousands of UFC fighters have mm. like come and gone come and gone come and gone like it's such a such like a fragile sport to get um, attached to it's so finite and, and it can be taken away from you with like an injury mm. in, in a split second so yeah. I just appreciate like obviously you appreciate like people coming up to you and recognizing you and stuff yeah. like that but you can't get addicted to, to the feeling of the tension that's yeah. just a bad that's just a bad emotion to, to attach yourself to yeah totally agree eh? um, I guess leading, leading on from that and like understanding that yeah your career is finite and that one day this will all go away. Is that something that probably ties into like why you take the fights? So, so like, you know, Chandler came into the organization and everybody shat on him and no one signed the dotted line and said, I'll fight this guy. And then same thing, Islam Makachev, like nobody, absolutely nobody wanted to fight him. And then you're the, the guy to come in and save the, save the show and then, and then fight him. But again, you're taking these big risks. Is that part of, I guess, what drives you to just take these opportunities and take these risks? Yeah, I don't know if that's like a super positive thing as well because it's like, like I genuinely don't care, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it comes down to it. Uh, yeah, like I, I just, yeah, genuinely, I, I just couldn't care less. Like when people say that, like, oh, you know, who you, who you fight? Oh man, he's pretty tough. It's like, honestly, like trap me to a lie detector. 
like I do not care about yeah. this guy like we're all men like we're all gonna like these guys are gonna step on a scale like you're not even you're not even yeah. like in the realm of people I would fight if you actually mm-hmm. <laughs> compelled me to yeah. fight these people like that list is a lot longer than yeah, yeah, yeah. people in the 155 division of the UFC like yeah. it's um, and I don't know if that's like a super positive thing mm. to share. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it all, like, yeah, some people go, oh, you could be a little more methodical in your approach and all the rest of it. But I think there's more people who sit on the sidelines because they care too much of the outcome. They want to, uh, they want to do this thing one, with their life. But. One million percent mm. is like the reason that 99 percent, 99.9% of people like don't want to fight is because they don't want to lose. Yeah, like that's yeah. like they're scared. They're scared to lose. They're yeah. scared to. Even I can, even I can attest to that. Oh, a thousand. Someone who does kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, Fitzy, we haven't had a fight yet. Don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. <laughs> 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 like, even yeah, my coach, my last coach, has moved on now. He's oh, Fitzy, you're ready. And in my head, I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you just yeah, keep prolonging yeah. this thing. So, no, hundred percent. You don't want to lose. Like, yeah. that's just it's just human emotion because you feel like if you lose, then going to be embarrassed that everyone's going to think less of you mm. and stuff like that that that's kind of um like because i know because i've had so many like wins and losses and so many great times and highs and lows mm. in the sport that that people's it's funny like people's opinion of you and and people's perception of you like just goes like like this like yeah. this is it's always like shifting it but but my opinion of myself doesn't like ride that roller coaster with like everyone else. Yeah. It's not like I like lose a couple of fights and I'm like, I suck. Like I'm yeah. always, but it's not like when I knock a bunch of guys out and I'm like walk around town like, oh the man, fuck? Yeah. oh Godzilla. You know what I mean? Like my opinion of myself has like remained the same the entire time. Mm. Like my opinion of myself doesn't ride with the highs and doesn't go low with the lows yeah, like, which is good yeah you can't like you yeah. crash like you, you, you self-employed like that doesn't work either way like no. that doesn't if, if you're having lows and you think it's like the worst like you're never going to dig yourself out of that hole but it's the same thing if you like get a couple of knockout wins of bonuses and yeah. main events and you're doing really good you can't like walk around and treat everyone like shit (laughs) people people are gonna like remember that people are gonna remember like the way you treat them so it's like it's pretty cool just being in the middle and being like very level-headed and i had the exact same opinion of myself the entire time Mm -hmm. but it's funny to see like how people people around you change like it's just it's just interesting like you learn a lot about um just how humans think and, and yeah. how humans loyalty. <laughs> yeah, they love winners. Like yeah. uh, we're 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 uh, uh, yeah. It's just humans love to support people that win. It's just a human, and I'm not even against that. Like yeah, that, it's I just natural, like that, isn't it? It's natural instinct. Like I I, I support that one million percent. I feel like mm. like <laughs> winners should get yeah. it, and and losers should. Like I'm yeah. a loser right now, but you know, like <laughs> you can I like you can't get. Um, you can't get the adulation and, and the, the all the things and all the parades and stuff like that mm. for losing. You can't. Doesn't. You need the highs and lows. Like you need them both the same. Yeah, which is um, I think is a good point for people to hear. Eh? Like this, this stuff that we're talking about now, because you get the people who literally care. Like someone like post, and even I've been through it with Warfighter. You know, like you post something, 
there's something like an idea that I had, a feeling and whatnot, and I'm like right into it, and you post it, and then someone's like, this is cheesy bullshit. You're like, fuck, let's go and find him. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, I'll find your address, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but then in the thing, like, what, what, who cares about this guy? Like, like maybe it is, in his mind, it is cheesy. Who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. do I still like it? Yep. Yeah. But yeah, like, another one, and that was a question I did have for you, is like, and uh, it's, it's an interesting one, is like, say, like, Daniel Cormier, right? He's a, he's a, he's a character in the UFC. Um, he's, a, he's a commentator. I can love listening to Daniel Cormier. I actually think he's, I think he's fucking hilarious. But as you were just saying, like, after the Nazareth fight, where you just like butchered and just like literally took Nazareth to school, you know, Daniel Cormier is singing your praises and he's saying this and he's saying that. Daniel, you know, Daniel Hooker looked phenomenal and he's a wrestler now and he, like, he had, and he had all this admiration. And then now, like recently, you know, you have a couple of losses and he's like, oh, we don't need to see him in there with the top guys. So, like, again, I think you've spoken on it a little bit now, but like, yeah, like, what's your process for that? You just don't give a fuck. And, and, and an interesting one is, because you probably have somewhat of a relationship with him due through work and whatnot, does that still annoy you? Like hearing that stuff, like does that get to you? Like, nah. Nah. That kind of stuff. Like other yeah, other people's opinion of me and what I'm doing and where I'm going, like that doesn't affect me in like any way, shape or form. Like what Daniel Cormier says next, like and I'm not even I feel like everyone's allowed their opinion. Mm. And I feel like Daniel Cormier is um, just says what your average bike fan thinks. Yeah. Like I really feel like I really feel like he just he just says what he feels. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that means which means like there'll be a lot of people out there feeling the same thing. And it's just mm. the world we live in now, like social media, where like a lot of people's like thoughts and emotions are shared. Like where it didn't used to be like that with like uh, like combat sports and fight sports because like social media was like not a lot used to be like a lot more like respect around but it's just not the world that we live in it's now uh, like a mainstream sport and mm. with mainstream sport becomes like mainstream fans and, yeah. and what sport in the world um is everyone just sunshine and rainbows like absolutely no, no like you've yeah, got yeah. like rafael nadal's instagram and the wee people being like your shit like it's just part and parcel of the sport if you can't handle like the criticism I'm fine with like the criticism or whatever they say like mm. they support winners like you when I win a couple when I ne- win my next few fights like damn Cormier will be singing my praises again but yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm going to remain very level headed about the whole thing mm. you know like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, I good, have, like I have been the whole time mm. yeah I guess that leads us into what you see for yourself and the future of the sport where do you see yourself heading? What's your like goal and trajectory now? Yeah, um, like I just know we're going back to the same thing which got me here in the first place. Mm. Which is I just know what I'm capable. Yeah, and and like with recent results and stuff like that, it's I feel like like the, the talking is done. Like yeah. the, the time for talking is done. I mm. feel like people know my attention. I I wouldn't be doing the sport if I didn't. The world title like wasn't mm. the point of it. Like, mm. You you will not see me fight unless I feel like I'm capable of a world title. And it comes down to just your gut, your your feeling, and just knowing what you're capable of. Mm. And knowing like uh, yeah, the, the level that you're capable of performing at, and it's just yeah, things are just things are just coming together. There's like a lot of changes. Um, 
behind the scenes. It's not going to be any one magic piss drinking <laughs> <laughs> that's going to change it. But yeah, I'm just um, like more mature, more focused than I've ever been. And mm. I feel like that's going to that's going to that's going to start showing. Mm. No, that's awesome. Like um, even me, just uh, whacking some personal opinion. It's like even again dropping down to 145. I actually admire you going, right, here's a new play, let's run it. The play didn't work, fuck it, let's go back to what we were doing with a new renewed focus. Yeah, you know? well, I like, yeah, I knew um, the position I was in after the marketing fight, and then obviously, like, losing to Chandler and Poirier, like, and then having those three guys that you got a little red sticker next to mm. in the top five, I knew that I had time, like, the landscape of the division had to change, before I get another shot yeah. at, a, at a top five guy. Like the whole landscape of the division would need to shift. Mm. Um, so I didn't feel like like the 145 thing was that big of a risk because it's gonna be like a, probably a year and a half, two years before that whole top 10 is gonna look different. completely different mm. than those three names that I just mentioned. So I have time, mm. right? And I knew that moving down to 45 would get you like right back into the mix. Like had I not, Arnold Allen out like oh, we'll probably be fighting for a title like mm. because I would be asking for it. I've yeah. seen like some of what Arnold Allen said since then going oh now they're saying that Dan Hooker was this and Dan Hooker was that. I was like stop listening to what other people are saying about you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not just say it with your chest like I would probably would have got a title shot off of that win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He, like he could have got a title shot yeah. off the win if he would have actually got a and, and asked for it, yeah. you know, or, or told people that this was happening. I don't know if you're too polite of a guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, probably listens to other people's opinions, like, a little bit too much. But mm. I knew I had time. I knew the division would have to change. Mm. And it's like, it's already changing. Like, you can already see, like, the new names in the top ten that people are getting excited for. Like, after the result, make the move back up to 55. You get some good uh, wins there. I think it's about time to, you know give one of these young guys um, a crack and just prove prove that you do that prove that your level is just a bit above that, mm. that top 15 ranking like mm. now now that's that's the thing that's getting called into question right like mm. oh is this guy still top 15 in the world well let me prove it then. yeah like, that, i think that that's the next question mm. that needs to be answered and I'm, I'm happy to answer it like give one of these young guys a crack mm. go out there and just so then everyone knows, like, oh, okay, like that'll be yeah, the that'll yeah. be the story. That'll be the next yeah. tune they're singing. They'll go, oh, that's oh, he's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's not top thirty. Oh, he's not top thirty. He's top fifteen. Yeah. He's top yeah. ten. Um, and it's just part and parcel of the sport. Like, people are just very they fluctuate. A hundred percent. And you've done it. You've done it before. Like, I think it was like Nazrat, right? You gave Nazrat no one to fight. Nazrat was coming up, had a lot of hype behind him, knocking people out. His highlight reel looked good. Even I, I didn't know who he was for a bar of soap. Watched the highlight reel and you're like, oh yeah man, this guy's got a left hand. And then the fight just didn't play out. Like any of his highlight reels did. And you're like, okay, cool, there's levels to this shit. Um, so yeah, definitely excited for the next one. Any any progress on the uh, next fight or what's next? Yeah, I'll be in um, November 12th. November 12th. I don't know if that's November 12th in America or November 12th here, but I know it's November 12th, uh, Madison Square Garden on, on Israel's car. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be cool to go over there, back with the team, and uh, 
Yeah, get a win at Madison Square Garden and take that one off the bucket list. Yeah, mate, that'd be experience, hey? Jesus. I'll tell you my opponent, but I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't want to tell, I just can't pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure his name out later. Yeah. What's I figure out how to say his name? Yeah. <laughs> the pronunciation. I'll, I'll announce it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I guess, yeah, uh, one of the things that have come through from my story was putting up was a lot of obviously a lot of young UFC fighters, oh, sorry, a lot of young mixed martial artists or anyone in combat sports follow you um, and, and, and know you. And so I guess uh, a big question from people is um, what is your advice for a young uh, aspiring mixed martial artist? Just to get in the gym, get in the gym. spend as much time. Uh, it's just time on the mats, man. You just. Like that's what like people ask you like oh how did you get so much like mental fortitude it's, you just get a little bit every day it's like mm. it's like sandpaper rubbing in stone right like it rubs it enough it'll it'll eventually cut through it you know mm. what I mean yeah um, like you just add like a bit of grit every single day and eventually mm. after years and years of just spending time on the mats and spending time in the gym like you you just tough yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just comes with it just comes with fun yeah um I, i've actually i'm pretty sure i've seen that as like a like a it's like a new year's tag team fight in a gym maybe in south auckland and <laughs> a couple of hundred kilo blokes in yourself literally having a tag team sparring match so i think that's uh probably one way to build some that's mental toughness pulls the character <laughs> bit of character building stuff um, we'll just pull the phone out and see what, what else we got. And then we're almost done. Job done for Saturday. Um, we've touched on most of this now. Yeah, how do you set yourself up for success as an amateur fighter? I'm just going to answer it there. Get in the gym. You can't, you can't replicate hard work with ideas and theories. I think that's a big one too. We get in the military space, dudes wanting to into the army and special operations the same thing you can't replicate reps and sets running you can't replicate military service other than joining the army um, sounds like fighting is the same uh, so i guess a, a good question is is like what does a typical day look like for you if we uh, go if we go in, in in camp i reckon would be interesting uh wake up have breakfast cook my my daughter and my wife some breakfast, make the tea. This is a good start of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's similar to mine, actually. Yeah, yeah, shoot off. Um, I'll shoot off to the gym, 9 a.m. or 8, 8 or 9 a.m. at City Kickboxing. Do probably two sessions in the morning. Yeah. Um, get home, have lunch, have a little bit of breakfast. Straight back to the gym for the afternoon. Mm. And then uh, training again at City Kickboxing, and then obviously come here. <laughs> Do a bit of do a bit of coaching and stuff like that. So, mm. so yeah, probably like you got the same day twice mm. each day. Yeah, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the, there was a sergeant that I used to be under um, and when I first got to commandos, and every day we'd turn up, he'd be like, "Yep, today's a good day for good repetitious training," which is just him saying we're about to do the same shit over and over again. It's the only way to get good. It's the only way to get good. It's the only way to get good, and we would literally do the same shit over and over again. Um, we've answered most of this stuff. Oh, here's a funny one. <laughs> uh, is he going to try and derail the Paddy the Batty hype train? And do you think it is a hype train? It's probably a good one. Paddy. Do I think he's good? Well, yeah, like, so this guy says, are you going to derail the hype train? 
And they're like, well, I don't know, is Paddy a hype train? Even to begin with. Uh, yeah, like, oh. And would you be interested in fighting him that came up? We already I don't know. think we're he's like, like yeah, I don't think he's like kind of at that level um, yet. Mm. I think he needs like a few more fights until he's like kind of at that level. Mm. Like I've trained with his last opponent, so uh, yeah, Paddy's skill set's probably not there yet to compete with like top. The, the higher echelon guy, but um, like one day, if he if he wants if he wanted to test himself against like a top fifteen fighter and mm. a top ten fighter, like when it comes to that time, like of course we'd be happy to answer the call. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like the school sets there. Yeah, just yet. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it is always one of those things, eh? Like when you see <coughs> fight sports, you do. Really, I think uh, a good one. Is it Edmund Shabazian? And he's another guy. He had a really good run, good bit of hype behind him. And once he did hit that top 15, just all traction died, seemingly. So I think it is definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of his attention is going to disappear. Yeah. He fights good people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's doing all right on the, um, was it Barstool Sports? And they, their marketing budget is astronomical going off what they pay him. Um, I think a good one here is just to share is just it's actually from one of the lads who's a commando but he just he's just giving pretty much giving you a shout out for patriotism <laughs> um, which is you know given that like even when you're like in lockdown representing New Zealand on the world stage and like like everyone's talked about it even as he's talked about it like no one represents NZ harder than you and you've still got dickheads trying to like fuck up your training camp and so shout out for maintaining patriotism yeah they actually, caught, they actually caught me here like one night I was like actually in the gym and like I went to leave yeah. and it was like like I just turned the lights off in there and then um, like I went to leave and the, there was a cop out there like shining a torch like through the front of the gym so I was like oh <laughs> and we had like a camera room in the back so I just went and like sat in the camera room and like watching him cop stood out there for like 45 minutes credit to him and then he was like trying to do the sneaky ones, like he parked like across the road. Well, my cameras can still see across the road. <laughs> then he drove. So he's like, got a stake yeah, out going. Yeah, he thought he was a commando, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he he oh, drove down shit. the road and he like parked behind a car, like further down. Can still see him on the camera. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he was thinking sneaky yeah, too. Yeah, he was thinking sneaky, bro. Oh. Watching him like 45 minutes. Yeah. Eventually, like he left. Yeah. And then like another two like cop cars went, and this is for like me in the training camp for like a UFC fight. Like there's a cop car. Like, Look at the resources coming. Two, yeah, yeah. And then two more um, like cop cars came, like same thing, like banging on the door. They actually wrecked a lock on like the front of the door. They were like, I don't know why he was doing. Like he was trying to pull it like so hard. I don't know what they can do if they actually break it if they're allowed to like come in or pretend like it's been broken. I don't know how. Oh, he, I don't know either. I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with that. Yeah. But yeah, like they turned the like lock so much, like broke the lock. They were out there for like another half an hour. He like parked down the road. Number one like parked down this road, and then the next thing like a, a senior sergeant and a detective side, like an unmarked car, like he come. So like it's quite high up. Like, this is a lot of. Resources. <laughs> There's a lot of resources like them. In a crime riddled city. Very busy at this stage. Yeah. And then next thing, like, I'm just sitting there, my phone starts ringing. So they'd obviously, like, got my phone number from somewhere. And like, now they're calling you. Yeah, now they're, like, calling me. And eventually, so this, I was in the gym, like, this is probably like 
four, five weeks out from the Nazareth fight, like I'm just trying to get like a wrestling session. <laughs> oh, oh no, literally. <laughs> like they're trying to you get you down. Talking, like, talking like, myth in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then they like stationed the car down the road, but then my car was like down on the other side of the car park, so they could see me if I would have got my car. Mm. So I just went out, like I snuck out this a side door, just went across the train tracks, and I just I just jogged home. <laughs> I was in here for just like three three and a half hours, like just watching just, the... just waiting for the police. To leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like, yeah, this is like mid training camp for a fight, and then same thing, like senior sergeants coming around to my house. Like looking for me again, like it's just out of that's out of control, like literally I trying think. to like represent the country, which is like just right. the maddest thing. And now we're all like since we've like all had COVID and stuff like that. Like come on, like we're... it was ridiculous. <laughs> eh? It was ridiculous. Uh, a few takeaways from that: use police resources better. Yeah, uh, yeah. And two, uh, improve your tradecraft in the police. Tradecraft is <laughs> literally just watching musical give cars. A, give me a bit more credit. You know what I mean? Hey, well, who's just a fighter? Hey, look, I'm on No, we've actually answered most of this. A lot of it was around like self doubt, rebuilding um, from people and whatnot. Um, Oh, what one guy actually here is here's pretty not a bad question. Is like how was it actually how was a uh, a UFC contract negotiated? Uh, so they actually have like set they have like a set tier mm. which they have like people on um, like you get signed on like a four fight contract and then probably like I think I got a new contract like they don't let, usually let you leave it even to like one they'll kind of see how your first two fights go and they'll offer you like a new contract mm. like a little bit more money but there's definite like a structure to it it's like a tiered structure to it that's like mm. pretty much set in tone there's obviously like outliers to that like Paddy's obviously not on well his first contract was like a standard contract 12, 12 or something I'm sure that now that's like been taken care of like that definitely it, it changes but a lot of it's like quite quite structured mm. and then once you get like one fight or two fights left on your contract they'll just negotiate like a new deal with you yeah. but a lot of it's a lot of it's like set in stone there's yeah. not much there's not much give yeah so like with, with the contract you're on with the with it being i guess in the in the top 15 with the next contract up would you literally have to be champion to go to the i guess to the final tier yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, cool. Um, and then I guess the last one is just here, like, yeah, if you've got one, I guess one bit of advice to, uh, I mean, most of them, like, the Warfighter following or my following as well, because it's predominantly young men. Um, yeah, if you had any, any advice to just aspiring young men in general, what would your, what would your, I guess, your closing words be? Yeah, it's like hard, that's hard for me to say because mm. I would like, We've covered a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah like you're, everyone, everyone has their highs and lows, and, and it's just the way that kind of social media is built. You, you only put the highs out there, right? Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. No one's ever, no one ever <laughs> posts on the Instagram. Oh, my missus left me last week. You know, I'm a loser. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit, I got fired. Like, you yeah. know, no one ever puts like, no one advertises their losses. Like, yeah. people only advertise wins, like their right? wins, but it's not that's like not reality it's not get caught up in what people are like saying about you or, or other people's opinions of you mm. like i know my opinion of myself and that has been consistent 
the entire process. I know what I'm capable of. I have an opinion of myself that's like pretty unwavering. And I just believe in that. Mm. And that whether you have the wins or whether you have the losses, like that remains like a steady ship. Mm. No, I like it, bro. That was an awesome interview, like eh? I think one last thing that I really liked is that you spoke on was actually your morning routine. Something I've spoken about recently. Um, hey, you got to get the muscles of tea or your tea. Well, that's it. But, but, but we, <laughs> there's all these motivational speakers sitting there screaming at the camera. I'm like, you got to get up early. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it's like, well, you can be a dad and chase success as well. You know, like, <laughs> I do. I literally get up and cook my kids' eggs. Yeah, and the thing yeah, is, is like, if I got up at five a.m. or four thirty a.m. like some of these like motivational speakers say, I wake up my son. My, my son wakes up. That wakes up his mum. Happy life, like, life. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, it's actually, you can get up at a fairly normal time, yeah. cook breakfast for your family, and then go definitely attack like, the day. Definitely, like, quality, quality over quantity. Yeah. That's, that's without a shadow of a doubt. Like, I've learned that in my process of, like, training. Like, mm. I've spent hours and hours and hours, of, like, so, so much time at the gym that it just becomes, like, detrimental. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's quality. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, no. I think that's what my dad taught me, and I just took that and just obviously didn't do what he was meaning by it. Don't think he was leaning towards that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely <laughs> was not how he meant it, but <laughs> I took that advice on. Nah, awesome. Anyway, cheers for the show, brother. Good chat. Look good. Cheers, team.